0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to KCL Radio's new podcast. What? Like it's hard? With your host, first year history and international relations student, Govar. I want this show to feel like a breath of fresh air, a quick slot in your week where you can just take a moment for yourself. You can listen to the podcast on your daily walk along Waterloo Bridge, while shopping for a birthday present at Covent Garden, or when getting your oat milk latte fix at the roasting plant. Super hypothetical examples, obviously. Last week, there was a shorter episode where I discussed my recent trip to Paris, the importance of looking after yourself, and the impossibility of finding a perfect balance between university or work commitments and our personal lives. If I'm being completely honest, that balance has been especially difficult for me recently. I've been super hard on myself, I feel like I'm either working too much or working too little, seeing my friends all the time, or not seeing them at all. I had to really sit down with those feelings and examine them further, it made me realize that I worry too much, and put way too much pressure on myself to be perfect. Recognizing our messy feelings is useful, it can help validate or rationalize our feelings. However, it is challenging when messy feelings come with no quick fix that will solve our problems. Instead, sometimes all we can do is sit with our discomfort. Honoring my own feelings around perfectionism and recognizing how tired I feel helped me shift my personal focus for the week. This week is about recharging. It is about focusing on what I can get done rather than what I cannot. It is about recognizing that work will always be there for me, and that I cannot live my life based on some unattainable standard of academic perfection. This week is about focusing on what brings us joy, and makes us feel inspired. Whether it is your daily cup of matcha, the earlier sunset which tells us spring and summer are coming, or those quick chats with your friends between library sessions. Let this serve as your weekly reminder that things always have a funny way of working out and that whatever you are stressing about will pass. I encourage you to take time for yourself beyond the craziness of university to focus on yourself and your passions. I personally love reading books, specifically romance books. In all the hectic vibes of the past two months, I have basically not been reading. As we all know, when you put something off for a few days, that somehow spirals into a week and then a few more weeks. But I finally forced myself to sit down and read on Monday evening. It was hard at first. My attention kept on shifting and I found myself reaching for my phone. Eventually, I got sucked into the story and kept on turning the page because I was so invested. I went to bed later that night, but it was worth it. Reading has always been my form of therapy and it helps distract me from any stress or worry. I know some people like thrillers or historical fiction. Whilst I love a plethora of genres, romance is my favorite for relaxing. It is often dismissed as superficial or overly sentimental, but I think it enables authors to explore an array of complex themes in an accessible way. After all, the way we give and receive love is reflective of our backgrounds and personalities, who we are, and what we have experienced. As you can see, I could talk about romance books for hours, and I would love to do an episode focused on them, but that is not the subject of this episode. Today we are discussing the subject of confidence, what it means, why it can be difficult to achieve, and why social media has warped our perceptions of it. We will also be reflecting on the way that confidence shows up, or rather does not show up, in our everyday lives. How confidence relates to wider discussions of patriarchy and sexism. Lastly, I will be discussing my own journey with confidence, and my thoughts on issues such as imposter syndrome and perfectionism. This episode is by no means a complete review of confidence, and will only scratch the surface. However, it will hopefully encourage you and all of us to think more deeply about how we view ourselves and our potential. In my opinion, confidence has become something of a cultural buzzword, a superpower that everyone should wield, a way of thinking about ourselves and our environment. In short, confidence has been packaged by society as some sort of transformative lifestyle, and it is not hard to find proof of its international recognition, A quick search on Google produces recent headlines such as the three best tips on how to succeed no matter your goal, Forbes. How to boost confidence when it comes to dating, a psychologist offers three tips, GQ India. Sarah Jessica Parker shares her best tips for looking and feeling more confident than ever at 57, Vogue. And the list continues. But how should we define confidence? Well, according to the Merriam-Webster dictionary, there is a plethora of definitions to choose from. Confidence means recognizing your own capabilities or the advantages of your environment. Confidence is not only connected to us, but how we view other people, i.e. if we trust their ability to succeed and fulfill their promises. It also means being sure about yourself and being able to confide with others or to communicate truthfully confidence seems to intersect with ideas of certainty and sureness whether about ourselves our circumstances or the people around us all those definitions rest on us believing in things working out if you are sure or certain about yourself you know that whatever happens you will be okay it means surrendering at least part of your worry or stress recognizing that this too shall pass and you will get to where you need to be going Sounds incredible in theory, right? But it is insanely difficult to execute, especially when things are not going to plan, and you feel uncertain about your future. We have all had those moments where confidence feels like some elusive mountain peak, this destination that we can imagine but have never actually seen. Whether it is confidence about passing your driving test, confidence about making the winning goal for your sports team, or confidence about your application for university, There are so many instances, even in our everyday lives, where confidence seems like a gamble. But the truth is that success comes from making gambles. Within reason, of course. If we never pushed ourselves to achieve any of those things I mentioned, we would not become better or more well-rounded individuals. Little steps lead to bigger steps. Learning driving theory allowed you to pass your exam. Learning how to be better at your sport enabled you to make the winning shot for your team, and then win the game. Learning at A-level and sitting your exams in the summer gave you the opportunity to study at university. However, confidence is not always perfect or whole. We can believe in our ability to pass our driving test, but completely falter when it comes to making a new friend. Confidence ebbs and flows. Yes, some people are more extroverted whilst others are more introverted, but confidence also depends on your mood and the circumstances. Maybe instead of chasing perfect confidence, or confidence in all aspects of our lives, we should be trying to improve the way we view ourselves. So so far we have discussed what confidence means and why it matters, but why is confidence so difficult to achieve? I just mentioned the difficulty of being 100% confident in all areas of your life. Humans are not robots, and we were not made to constantly achieve goal after goal. We were meant to make mistakes, learn from them, and quite frankly, embarrass ourselves in the process. I think the way that confidence is presented in the media is fundamentally unattainable. Even when we see classic makeovers in 90s and early 2000s rom coms, which we love, the nerdy girl is not fully cool or fully confident until she changes most aspects of herself and her appearance. And we see that on social media platforms as well. The way that filters and face tuning are used is widespread, and it has become difficult to separate what is real from what is fake. No matter how many Q&A or chill-get-ready-with-me videos people post, although I love them, we will never really understand what any person outside of ourselves is going through. We cannot see their everyday struggles or know all their worries or anxieties. All we see is this snapshot of their life, which can only tell us so much. So it can be difficult to remind yourself to be confident in who you are and what you do, because social media can make it seem like everyone is having a total blast. Things are going exactly the way they wanted, their life is perfect, and they have no worries. There's another interesting level of analysis to consider with confidence, in particular, the role of privilege. The more privileged you are, the more security you feel, and that gives you a better chance of feeling more optimistic about who you are and what you can achieve. That does not diminish your struggles or mean you have no right to feel less confident, but it recognizes the fact that you have more opportunities for success than others who lack that privilege. So that is what confidence means, broadly, why it matters and some of the difficulties in achieving that mindset or attitude. Now, let us discuss the ways the confidence intersects with discussions of patriarchy and sexism. In particular, the confidence gap between men and women, and how issues like imposter syndrome or perfectionism come into play. A piece of journalism which struck me was an Atlantic article from their May 2014 issue called The Confidence Gap, by Katty Kay and Claire Shipman. They wrote their own book on the issue of female confidence, For example, how women become disempowered through societal institutions and restrictive modes of thinking. Through extensive research, they discovered a clear difference between the confidence of men and women, drawing on scientific studies conducted by uh, places like Cornell University. Women tended to have more perfectionist tendencies, the result of socialization, leading to what they describe as rumination, where women overthink and doubt their abilities. In this way, women tended to miss opportunities or to convince themselves that they were less worthy of them than their male counterparts were. For instance, a Hewlett-Packard report asserted that, on average, men will apply for a job with only 60% of the qualifications needed, whereas women will apply only when they have 100%. As Kay and Shipman emphasize, this desire for perfection, and this determination to succeed in every aspect of their career, hinder women. They found that confidence was sometimes more attractive than competence. After all, even if you have all the skills in the world, you must have some confidence in yourself to be able to sell them and actually achieve your goals. Another interesting statistic from the article came from an economics professor called Linda Babcock at Carnegie Mellon University. She found that when men started to negotiate their salaries, they would ask for four times the amount that women would. On average, within her research, women asked for a 30% lower salary. These statistics are genuinely astonishing when you really consider their implications. Female-identifying individuals are putting more pressure on themselves to succeed, setting up these unattainable standards of perfection and essentially overworking themselves. Rather than viewing any failures as unavoidable stepping stones to success, women tend and female-identifying individuals tend to ruminate and blame ourselves for them. In contrast, research shows that men are more forgiving of their own mistakes and assume they are natural to get to where they need to be going. Of course, men also struggle with their own perceptions of themselves, and confidence is not perfect for everyone. Scientific data can only tell us so much. However, there is a clear confidence gap between men and women, and reading the article, it really made me think about my own experiences as well. Thus far, I have talked about what confidence means, why it matters, why it can be difficult to achieve, and its connections to patriarchy. Furthermore, we have also discussed the role of social media, and the way in which highlight reels warp our perceptions of normalcy. I want to take some time to discuss my own journey with confidence, because I think that psychological and scientific data is really interesting, but sometimes it can be helpful to put into context, and I think as humans, we can better understand things like the confidence gap by reflecting and sharing our own experiences. So, according to research, a young girl's confidence will drop by 30% between the ages of 8 to 14. Boys and girls have roughly similar confidence levels before 8, but by the time of their teenage years, there is a clear disparity in how they view their own abilities. If I am being honest, those statistics really add up for me. Moving around to different countries forced me to become more extroverted and outwardly confident. I became used to the familiar pattern of meeting new people and making friends quickly. As a little kid, I had two options. Be confident and put yourself out there, or make no friends and be lonely. At eight years old, I was super confident. I genuinely thought I could do whatever I put my mind to. I remember being convinced that I was going to become a celebrity like Hannah Montana. In my mind, it was only a matter of time before my career took off and the world discovered my musical genius. I also wanted to be an author and an actress. She had range. Being a teenager, especially 13 or 14, is rough, irrespective of your gender. You are still basically a baby, but you feel so much more older and mature at the same time. I remember that those were the years when Instagram and Snapchat were really taking off, and suddenly, people became concerned with two different types of people. Who they were online, and who they were offline. I remember feeling unsure about what my passions were. Feeling like everybody had a thing they were good at, or some superlative which defined them. One friend was the funny one, one friend was the smart one, and where did that leave me? It seems beyond silly now, but those were the genuine feelings of 11- and 12-year-old me. I never loved maths, science, or English. When I fell in love with studying history, things started to change for me, because I started to uncover my passion for storytelling and learning more about other cultures. When I moved back from the Middle East and returned to my old school in London, I began to view myself as more than a superlative or label. I could be that same confident and bubbly 8-year-old girl whilst also being an intelligent and emotionally aware 13-year-old. It took me all through high school to understand that we were never meant to be one thing or to fit one label. Life was not a cheesy high school movie. You could be sweet and powerful, beautiful and intelligent, confident and humble. It was challenging to feel confident in my identity when I found those boxes confining rather than validating. I am from Azerbaijan, but I've lived my almost my entire life in the UK. I have an American or international accent, depending on your perspective, but I am neither American nor Canadian. It always felt like choosing one label meant rejecting or dismissing my other experiences. But all those events have shaped me in ways that I cannot even begin to describe. Whenever people feel the need to negatively comment, or pass judgment, the wow, you are so different, it just gives me the biggest ick of all time. I do not need the validation of other people to feel secure in who I am. I love talking about moving abroad, but I hate when people attempt to reduce me or others with similar experiences to stereotypes. The number of times that people have assumed I am stupid because they believe I am American is honestly offensive to myself and Americans. In high school, I felt the need to overcompensate for their messed up assumptions by being an overachiever. I thought making others see my potential would help how I viewed myself. But that is an exhausting and unrewarding game to play. There is no point in chasing the validation or approval of others, however difficult it can be. Even if people change their minds about you, it will not solve how you feel about yourself. As my Pinterest board reminds me, Do not trade your authenticity for approval, and being more authentic will radiate more pure energy than trying to be an ideal you. It seems cheesy, but it is true. Do not expect yourself to be a model for perfect behavior, and do not expect others to always recognize your potential. Some people are too jealous, too self-centered, or simply do not care enough to give you the love and support you deserve. Try and find those relationships, platonic and romantic, which fill your cup, the ones which cheer when you succeed, console you when things go wrong, and always push you to do better. Those are the real gems, and the people who will make you feel better. Going back to the article, I completely relate to the experiences of the authors. They describe feeling unqualified in male-dominated environments, and experiencing deep imposter syndrome. I have often felt like I am not intelligent or experienced enough in certain rooms. During competitive debates in high school, we would be up against some of the most overconfident and sometimes very intelligent private school boys. They would get away with calling points absolutely ridiculous and being more aggressive, whereas my partner and I would not get as many marks for being passionate or assertive. Those differences in how we were viewed and marked felt more subconscious than overt examples of sexism. It was a good example of how ingrained societal expectations of women are. Women are expected to be kind and accommodating, intelligent but not too intelligent, and so forth. It was clear the boys put less pressure on themselves during debates, and in general found it easier to get back up when things did not go their way. I remember getting told once that I had picked sexism as my discussion topic for a public speaking competition because it was an easy win. I was genuinely shocked. I remember telling those boys, who with all due respect were woefully inexperienced, that I had worked hard on my speech and had done proper research. If I won, I was going to win because I had put in the time and effort to do so. Of course, I went out and absolutely crushed my topic because I had worked my butt off to perfect my argument and select relevant examples. I pulled out statistics from across the world on a variety of topics to demonstrate the widespread effect of sexism, for example, discussing domestic violence and the representation of women in the workforce, even going so far as to consider the representation of women across different cultures and societies. I was 14 or 15 years old at the time. I should not have wasted my breath on justifying my work to those boys. But hindsight is twenty twenty. i think confidence also comes a lot from having proper role models in your life i think it's very cheesy and very cliche but it's the truth when we see ourselves represented whether it's in our personal lives or on the screens we feel more able to take certain opportunities and to ask for what we want i'm really lucky that i've had a lot of really inspiring female role models in my life My grandma, who is absolutely incredible, she, before she retired, she was an incredible eye surgeon. And I have learned so much from her confidence. She has the type of fearlessness and confidence where she can just walk into a room and she immediately gains the respect and awe of everybody there. I've learned so much from her, just as I've learned so much from other women in my life. For example, my mom, my aunts, my sister. There is so much to learn from other people, and I think we should all be so grateful for whatever representation we have in our lives. But also, if you don't feel represented, whether in your personal life or on the screens, then I think it's also incredibly powerful if you can find that confidence within yourself, however scary, however imperfect it might be, to go out there and provide some representation for people like you. It's a lot easier said than done. There are so many obstacles in the way. But i think we need to start owning up to our potential instead of shying away from it life is too short it is genuinely too short to chase things that we don't want and to fit in labels and boxes that are too confining there is so much more i would like to say but i think i will close the episode on that note we have managed to cover a lot of ground today what confidence means why it matters How it can be difficult to achieve and its connection to discussions of patriarchy and sexism let this serve as another reminder that you are capable of so much more than you believe and that you will get to where you need to go i hope the show today encouraged you to push yourself out of your comfort zone and pursue exciting opportunities if you made it until the end of the episode thank you so much for listening your support genuinely means the world to me And it makes my day when people message me saying they listen to the podcast. As always, I welcome any feedback on this episode or suggestions for future ones. Let me know if there are any topics I should be talking about. Next week, What Like It's Hard will be back on KCL Radio for episode 5. I am so proud of us for getting this far. Have a lovely rest of your week.